Romans 9, Paul is, Paul is writing about his brothers. He's writing about people that he grew up with. He's writing about people that he's related to. He's writing about people that he has deep relationships with, that he knows him and, 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 and they, he knows them and they know him, right? That's who he's writing about, but he's not just talking about the, how good their relationship is. He's writing here in Romans 9 with a great deal of grief in his heart because as he looks at these people that he knows and he loves, I guess you could say that in many ways his heart is broken because he knows that they're lost. And he's trying to put those things together in his head of how do, I, how do I reconcile these ideas of I have such great care for these people, but yet they have rejected Jesus the Christ. They have rejected the gospel. They have rejected the good news that I've tried to share with them. And even in writing the book of Romans, I'm trying to, to help them understand, but yet they won't listen. It's to even say, if it were possible, I would give up my own soul. I would give up my own relationship. I would give up my own reward. I, I would suffer the penalty if that were possible. But even as I say that, I know that it's not. And so that's kind of where he writes from there in Romans, there in Romans ch chapter 9. And I picked out this passage because can I tell you something that's really been on my mind? We think about the growth, and, 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 and listen, so many, so many great things going on in this congregation. I mean, so many great things that we, we look at, numer at, at numerical growth, but behind all of that numerical growth, there is a great deal of spiritual growth and activity and evangelism and people that are reaching out and people that are doing benevolence and people that are embracing each other and all these things that are happening. But even as all of that goes on, you know, we've lost some folks, haven't we? I mean, so I've been here four years. Chance is new. He doesn't know who's here, who, who's not here, right? I remember that. I, I, remember the, I remember the first Sunday that the elders got up and they, they read that list of names of those who are no longer among us. I didn't know who those people were. Just a name. I could meet him in Walmart. I wouldn't know him, right? Oh, but it starts to change. I'm looking around the room, and I'm, I'm seeing places where people used to sit. I'm seeing places that there were brothers and sisters in Christ that, that I've, been to, I've been to battle with. People that have looked me in the eye and said, and said this, is the this is the very best thing that's ever happened in my life. People that have looked me in the eye and, and, and they, they, have, they have said, I don't know what's about to happen in my life, but I guarantee you one thing. I am not going to lose my faith. People that have sat in my living room and cried about the struggles that they were dealing with in life and fearful about whether or not they would be accepted. Who were accepted. People that have shared their stories and they've shared their lives. Relationship. And I looked this morning, and they're not here. And the reason that they're not here this morning isn't because they're on vacation. It's not because they're planning on being back next week. They just quit. 
They just walked away. They just said, thanks, but no thanks. I know what you're offering in the church, and for whatever reason, I don't want it anymore. So leave me alone. And there are lots of names that go along with, with that description. You, you, you think of whatever name you want to think of, right? And you can think of outside of this place. I'm just saying that that, that doesn't just happen here. That, that happens everywhere. How do we process that? What do we do? I mean, if there was something to do, most of the time we would say we would do it. Many things we have tried to do to, to no avail. It is so, so frustrating. Isn't it? Those of you who have reached out, you, you know. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. My, my sermon this morning was, it was going to be all about, all about why people fall away. And if you have a handout for, for our Wednesday night Bible class, that, that, that's really what the discussion is going to be about on Wednesday night. Why do people fall away? And if I understand why people fall away, it will help me to protect myself from those things because, because I'm, not, I'm not beyond reproach in those areas. Many of the people that I make reference to, even this morning, are people who we might have thought were beyond that reproach. They have proven to not be. But I, I prepared that, that, that lesson in part, but, but on Friday I, I, read a, I read a blog, and, and I, just want, I kind of wanted to pull the points out of that blog because it just really hit me hard, and, and I, I'm hoping it'll hit us hard. I'm hoping it'll hit us who, who have done everything that we know to do. What do we do then? What do you pray? What do you pray? See, when I pray, I'm asking God to do something that I can't do right? I'm, I'm not asking God to do something that I can do. What's the, that, that, that's not the point of prayer. I go and I ask God to heal somebody because I can't heal them, because, because I, I don't have any way to make them better. I ask for God to, to, to give uh, relief in someone's life because I don't know how to give them relief. So I'm praying for God to do something that I, I, it's beyond me. So as we think about those who have fallen away, the question becomes, what do we pray? And we need to be praying. If we can't do anything else, we need to be praying for those brothers and those sisters in Christ who have walked away. Number one, and we won't go through the whole blog, but, but I, did, I did like some of the points. Number one, we need to pray for time. We, we, we need to pray for time, don't we? You know, Peter talked about the coming of the Lord, and, and so there's coming a day in which, in which we're all going to stand before God, and in that moment, all the opportunity is gone. And I've listened to, I've extended invitation after invitation for years, for, for going on 20 years now. That I, I mean, I'm probably every, every Sunday, multiple times on every Sunday, I've said, if you're subject to the Lord's invitation, if, if, you, if you are outside of Christ and you've never been baptized into Christ, then this is your invitation. And if you've fallen away, and if the worldliness has come into your life and you've, you've fallen away from Christ, then this is your invitation. This is your invitation to maybe for the first time to take your burdens and your cares and actually share them with the Lord. And many people have answered that invitation. But can I tell you that many people have not? Many people have not. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people responded to the Lord's invitation. 
but there were far more than 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be awesome if 3,000 people obeyed the gospel today? But if 3,000 people obeyed the gospel in the city of Valdosta, we still have an immense job before us. But we're grateful for that invitation that's not only extended on, on the Lord's Day, that's not only extended when the church comes together, that invitation that is available every single moment of your life. Don't take that blessing for granted. But there's coming a day when there will be no more invitation. I don't know when that day is. I don't know if it's, if it's a million years from now. I don't know if it's ten minutes from now. I don't know the answer to that. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when either you're going to die or the Lord is going to come again. And in that moment, all the opportunity is gone. And I think about those who have walked away. People that we know. People that we love. And I just say, Lord, give them time. Give them time. And there's a part of me that says they need to respond today. And there's a part of me that understands that many times change takes takes place over time. Lord, give them the time that they need. What what Peter said in 2 Peter 3, in verse verse number 9, he's... He's writing about the fact that people are making fun of Christians, right? I mean, you say the Lord's going to come, and, and He hasn't even come. And what kind of God is this? And listen, if people were saying that in the first century, I mean, kind of imagine we're 2,000 years removed from that. So why hasn't the Lord come? Because we have this entire theology that's based around the, the second coming. And He tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, the Lord is not slack about his promise as some count slackness but is patient towards you not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance can i tell you why the lord jesus christ has not returned to this earth you want to know he hasn't returned to this earth because he's giving someone because He's giving you, because He's giving me, at times, one more opportunity. I know, I know that they've sat there and they've, heard, and they've heard the invitation given. And they've ignored it. I know that people have reached out to them and, they, and they've run away. I know, I know that they've continued to, to walk away from everything that they know is right. I know all of that, but I want to give them one more day. And that's why the Lord hasn't come. It's what He says. So when we pray for those who have fallen away, may we pray for time, that God would give them the time that they need. May we pray that someone would influence them. Paul would write in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself, lest you too be tempted. We, we could tell your spiritual story, and in everybody's spiritual story, with all of its ups and all of its downs, there are other people. There are men, there are women, there are teachers, there, the, the, there are shepherds, the, there are friends, there are neighbors, there are people who said something, did something, were something that motivated you to walk with God. And we just pray 
We just pray that that person will walk into our friends' and our brethren's lives. Lord, maybe it will be me. Maybe it will be you. Maybe it will be people that we have never even met. Maybe it will even be people who have no intention of giving spiritual guidance, but yet they will say something or do something that will lead that person to think about their life and to think about their choices. But we need to pray. Pray that God would send someone that would influence them. We need to pray for those that I would do whatever it takes. It's one thing for us to sit back and say, I hate that. Man, that really bothers me that they've left the church and that they've, that, that they've pulled away. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't stand that. It's another thing to actually do something about it. To sit down and to have that, that hard conversation about what sin really is about the fact that, that, that someone is not walking with God, about the fact that, that, that you can't go to heaven if you continue to live as you're living. So early, so early on, and I can tell you one thing that, that I think about on a weekly basis. I think about a couple who worshipped with us in the very first work. I was 21. I was very young. I didn't know what I was doing. But they were very faithful and very much a part of the work, and then they just quit. And every, every Sunday, every time that, that, that the body came together, people would ask me, what about so-and-so? Have you heard from so-and-so? I heard this. I'm really worried about them. I'm really concerned about them. And weeks went by, and months went by, and years went by. And they never came back. And they said later, as they had made their way into some denominational group, they said, they said later that nobody cared. Well, that kind of lays right at your feet, doesn't it? It wasn't true that nobody cared. The truth is everybody cared. People loved them. People were concerned about them. Everybody talked about them in a compassionate way. I was in all those conversations. But nobody ever went and talked to them. Nobody ever wanted to have that awkward conversation. I need to pray that when it comes to whatever I can do, that I'll be willing to do whatever it is that is necessary to help that soul come back to Christ. Even to the point of, well, even to the point of discipline by the church. It's not popular in the world today. It's not even popular in the church today. But, but it's very much a prescription that God gives to us. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, Paul writes about this brother in Christ who has decided that he's going to live a sinful lifestyle. He says, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. To be willing to, to, say, to say this relationship no longer exists as it did before. I'm not going to act like I don't know someone. I'm not going to be cruel to someone. I'm not going to try to hurt someone. But to understand, if you're going to live that way, as my brother or sister, if you're going to reject the church and Christ, then, then we can't pretend like we're brothers and sisters anymore. I'm just saying that's hard. Many of you know exactly what 
what that, what that takes, but it's necessary. Not just so they'll be punished. That's, that's, not, that's not what this is about. It's about the salvation of their soul. It's to grab their attention. To say there's something wrong here. But if I keep going on as if nothing has changed, and they just have this thing in their life or this rebellion, and I just, I just I want to take the high road and act like I don't know it exists, why should they ever change if nothing has really changed? It's hard. It's unpleasant. People will judge motives inappropriately. And so when I pray, I need to pray that I will do whatever it takes. I need to pray that God will do whatever it takes to humble them. God resists the proud. We, we read passages like Romans 8 and verse 28 and how God works all things together for good to those who love the Lord. But, but to understand Sometimes we, we, we look at that in, in regards to our own lives and say, not that everything is good, but that God might use these things to, to create good, right? But can I pray that God sometimes will take those difficult things and allow them in someone else's life so that they will get the message that they don't seem to be getting any other way? Once again, my concern is not, is not to wish ill will on anyone. The concern is that something might wake them up. Something might grab their attention. I may be talking about a son, about a daughter. I may be talking about a mother or a father. I may be talking about a best friend. I, I know. But they need something to wake them up. Can I pray? Can I pray that I will, I will be willing to forgive? Sometimes when people walk away, there is this, well, it's us and then there's them. And even in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul would write about, 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 basically, if I could paraphrase, easing up on this individual who has been restored, lest you crush him. Right? Can I tell you that there are a lot of people who have walked away from the Lord, and, and the thing that keeps them from the Lord, whether it is legitimate or not, okay? I'm, I'm not indicting anyone in this room or any other room. But I can tell you what keeps people from, from returning to the Lord is that many times they're terrified that they won't be forgiven. Everyone knows what I've done. It's so embarrassing. That's what people say, right? And it probably is. I need to pray that I won't be that elder brother. I need to pray that when, that, when, that when my brother or sister returns to Christ, even if they have done things or said things that have harmed me, I will be willing and able to rejoice. Sometimes people leave congregations and they will say things and they will do things that are mean and hurtful and spiteful and then later they will regret saying those things. But yet, but yet they feel like they can never ever go home because how could we ever get over those things? The challenge for us as the church is to be willing to send a message, not of the elder brother who stands off from afar and says, we'll see, but to be, that, but to be as that father who ran to his son. The father who had been rejected, the father who had been taken for granted, the father who had been abused. I love Isaiah 30 and verse, 17, and verse 18, where it speaks of the nature of God. 
I think this is so important when we, we ask questions about forgiveness and how we should forgive and when we should forgive. I think this verse has, as we think about the nature of God, has to tint any answer to those questions. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He therefore, and therefore He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for Him. I mean, this picture of one who can't wait for me to get there. That's what He wants. God doesn't just want to be right. God doesn't just want for me to be humble. God wants to be gracious. And He's waiting I want to reflect that. I know there are a lot of you who are having those same thoughts about those who have walked away. Don't know what the future holds. There are many of you in this room this morning who have been in that category of those who have walked away. That in times past, even even in my tenure in this pulpit, there are those of you who were amongst those who had walked away, but you have returned to the fold. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. Don't give up on those who have walked away. Don't give up on them. Do what you can do. Pray to your God. Pray that they'll have the time that they need. Pray that someone will say something, do something, be something that will influence them. Pray that we will have the courage and the boldness to do whatever it takes to win that soul. Pray that God will do whatever it takes to get through to that soul. And pray that we as a church will be forgiving of that soul when it does return to run to them. Join me in prayer. Dear God, Lord, you are a great God. Lord, you have spoken this world into existence. You sustain us and give us our very breath. And Lord, for all the good things we have in our life, we are most pleased. We are most grateful with the gospel with the sacrifice of your Son upon the cross and the resurrection from even even the grave that gives us hope in the most dire of situations. Lord, we are grateful for the way that you take us and you mold us and that you have changed our lives and changed our eternities because of your great love and mercy. And Lord, we know, we know that there are many, unfortunately, who have walked away. That there are those who have done so intentionally and there are those who have just been overwhelmed by the world but nonetheless they have walked away we know that there are many who stand on that path walking away not even knowing where they're going lord we come before you this morning and we ask for time not just for the pat not for the sake of time but lord we ask for time to reach them to reach those untold masses, to reach our fallen brethren who may not know, who may not appreciate, who may have rejected your love. Lord, we pray for some man, some woman, some individual in whatever place of life to do something or say something or be something that will influence those to return to you. Lord, I I pray that we will have the boldness to speak the things that need to be spoken, even when they hurt us. 
Lord, I pray that you will, I pray that you will act in their lives and I pray that you will act in our lives. Lord, to let us know, to let your creation know when we are not what you desire for us to be. Or just as you sent Paul's thorn in the flesh to humble that great man of God. Lord, we ask that you would send things into our life if it is needed to humble us. And Lord, help us, help us to be a forgiving people. Help us to reflect upon what you have done for us and not what that person deserves but help us to give the same gift that we have been given and to give it freely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord's invitation is open to you, to me, to whoever has ears to hear it. Listen to me, because this applies to many of us in this room. If you have not been born again, if you have not had your sins washed away, and you know that you have sin, you need to answer His invitation to be baptized, to have your sins washed away, to walk in a newness of life. Friends, you might have been baptized a long time ago, or it might have been last week, but if you've been living for the world, if you've been living the same way that everybody else is living, if, if, if the fact that you're here this morning, people are, might even be surprised that you're here, they might even be more surprised if they knew what you were doing last night. Then answer His invitation. Run to Him and make your life right. You bring your burdens, you bring your cares, you bring your anxieties, and you cast them upon Him. There are things that we can do nothing about. That only God can. And He asks us to come. Come to this morning as we stand and as we sing.